Would you stand for the reading of the word? We're going to go to Hebrews 6, 9 through 20. Hebrews 6, 9 through 20. I'm going to be speaking about hope today. We're finishing up our home series. And some are like, oh, me. And others are like, amen, let's move on. But um, know that I'm preaching more than I have perfected. We have to understand that part of being very used of God and having blessings of God is that we're humble about the fact that we all need Him, amen? We all need a move of God in our life. We all need a touch of God in our marriages. So I'm preaching something, the perfect will of God, forever settled in heaven. And I'm trying to settle it in my life and in my home and everything else. And so if this hits you as man, we're still struggling with that or we're still working on this. Believe me, so are we. In my home as a pastor, so are we. So that's important that you know that. Let's read Hebrews 6, 9 through 20. If you're there, say amen. But beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation. Though we speak in this manner. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love. How many put time in serving the Lord and serving the church? He hasn't forgotten that work, which you have showed toward his name and not just toward his name, but toward those and in that you have ministered to the saints, those that are around you, fellow believers, and do minister or serve. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. Amen. Hope till the end. That you do not become sluggish or, or but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. For when God made a promise to Abraham because he could not swear by no greater, he swore by himself. Saying, surely blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply you. Does anybody want that blessing on their life? And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise, that's you, brothers and sisters, the immutable or unchangeable ability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, his character and his oath, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge of the hold of the hope. Everybody say hope set before us. There's something out front. There's something in your future. I don't know what it is, but I can guarantee you this. The Bible says there's hope in your future. So I preach the truth when I tell you, you have hope for tomorrow. And I preach the truth when I say, I have hope in what's coming next. I don't care what America looks like. I don't care where we're going. I don't care how bad it may seem. I want you to know we must look to the hope of Jesus Christ. We are not a church bound by government. We're not a church bound by time. We're blessed with an eternal message and an eternal word. Amen. And so we have hope regardless of what happens. Jesus, touch the word. Minister to somebody today in Jesus' precious name. 
someone said amen, you may be seated. The necessity of us having hope in the home is that it provides the next generation with a foundation that's stable for them to stand upon. And of course, we know that hope is Christ Jesus. We know that hope is important because it gives something for us to talk about, as we should to our children, to our spouses. It gives us, number two, something to work toward, and it also gives us something to hang on to, as well as many other things. But these are the four, three anchor things that I wanted to pull up, and the objective of this lesson is to encourage your hope and to encourage you to recognize hope in your heart and in your home. And also to leave, you know, we, we do so many things with our home and our life. I mean, right now someone's absolutely going crazy decorating their front porch with pumpkins. I mean, somebody's losing their mind with fall decorations right now at the front entryway. More, you know, one of those things. But we're here to talk about hope in the home and um, how it would help us. It would help us to see that in a picture or in the Word of God. In writings, we can be persuaded, actually, in Hebrews, as we look through the Scriptures, as we're looking at Hebrews here, Hebrews 6, he's talking about a hope that is set before us. And I want to just, in the book that's written to Christians to remain faithful, I want you to know that Paul felt it important to write about hope. If you're going to stay faithful, you're going to have to have a hope in front of you. He said in chapter 6 records the same um, of these fallen away folks that he's talking about. But he said, don't be like them. Be like those that are faithful and those that have, have been patient. And so the writer, however he's persuading them or using words to persuade them, he does it um, regarding being faithful and looking to models that are in front of you and people that have been through the fight. Look to them for how they got through it and use what they use for weapons. Use the word of God. Use the prayer that you have. Use the power of your life in Christ Jesus. That you th The Holy Spirit literally is going to empower you to get through that situation and that you, is, you simply stand up and say, I, I want to see the power of God in my life. And it helps us. So he gives them a word of encouragement by reminding them to show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end in verse 11. And then he then reminds them that our hope is anchored in heaven where Christ has entered to sit on the throne of God. And there is important things here that we have to understand. Do we need hope? I think it's not a want. I think we, it's not just something that people say, well, I, I want to hope in something. I want to believe in something. I think it's more than that. I think it's necessity for our mental uh, strength. It's, it's a necessity for the church. It's a necessity for our life. And it's the anchor, the Bible says, that's in heaven that we're tethered to. In other words, there's nothing in this life that can pull you away from the thing that you've believed in in Christ Jesus. In other words, also, there is a a pulling on your life that whenever you start to stray, heaven pulls back. Amen. Like when you start to get off the path just a little bit, somewhere in your mind and heart, there's 
a flag that sets off and a, and a bell that goes off that says, that's not for you. You are called to a higher calling. You're called to a greater mission. And you're, you're pulled back on track because your, your anchor is hope, but it's anchored in heaven, not in earth. Not in circumstances, not in how well your spouse responds to you, not in how well you're paid, not in how well you, you are compensated for the things that you put in in certain areas that are not given back to you. But anchored in heaven means that God keeps record of all your works and he blesses you regardless of who sees your worth. There's great worth in you from Christ Jesus. There's great worth in you from heaven. And heaven sings a chorus that says you're worthy. Anytime someone repents, the Bible says heaven rejoices. And so I'm grateful that we're all anchored to that same heavenly hope. Amen. In the times that we live in, we need a heavenly hope. It ties you, it ties you to the ultimate destination, regardless of what you've battled in life, regardless of where you've been to. When you begin to walk with God, he starts pulling you out of every addiction, every chain. And if you want to stay there, you will get really uncomfortable because the Holy Ghost will just keep chiseling and keep working until you start to look like Jesus, until you start to change and become more like him, until you start to speak kind words back to someone that's cursing you, until you start loving people who other people said were unlovable, until your heart starts reaching for God in the depths of God, until you literally change your habits. Because habits are what conquers desire. We know this. Hope is what crushes addiction. Because you can replace bad habits with good habits. And that will remove the desire for the sin. Habits are stronger than desire. Do you know that? And when you put good habits in the home, you're teaching your children how to remove the desires to sin. You're teaching them how to have good habits to walk with God. Maybe we can do some replacements of habits here today. Maybe you want to pull your feet up under the pew real quick. I might step on some toes. You might want to replace Netflix marathons with sleep. Oh, Lord, the Holy Ghost is moving in the house. Somebody just got hit on that one. Netflix marathons, yes, I'm talking to you. With some sleep, sweet sister. Sweet brother, fast food with some homemade food. Oh, man. Going to have to go straight to the altar on that one. <laughs> Toxic friends with mentors. Oh, let them go. If God needed them in your life to get you to your destiny, he would have changed them by now. I don't know. TV with exercise. Someone said Amen. Okay, complaining, complain. Oh, here we go. Complaining with gratitude. I dare you to go a week with just gratitude. How, watch how it changes your life. Overthinking with action. Mm. Blame with responsibility. These habits change your life. Hope is. Important because we have to realize that habits that hope for greater things can move mountains and change destinies. When you see your children drifting, begin to pray in hope for their future. 
pray a ministry into their life. Pray a a blessing into their life. Do like Job, get up early and offer sacrifice of praise and worship to God and offer prayers for your children that just in case they may have sinned. Job was like, in case they have stepped or strayed away from the precepts and the principles of God, I'm going to get up and preemptively on credit offer sacrifice to the Lord. Maybe you want to pray ahead of time for your marriage and for what's coming this weekend or whatever else you have going on next week or big events, maybe just say, Lord, would you help it to go smooth? Would you help my husband not to be so stinking stubborn? Would you? Oh. Sorry. Then you realize that Jesus starts talking back. He says, why don't you get closer to me? And why doesn't your husband make a decision to get closer to me? And as you both get closer to Jesus, as a husband and a wife, as you get closer to him, with that dedication to Jesus, you actually get closer to one another. And I brought this graphic because marriage is a triangle and we're talking about hope in the home. And I want you to know this is not, the, this is not perfect for me either. Sarah and I try so very hard to get to Jesus as much as we can. We pray, we seek God. But every once in a while, we have one of those moments of, um, expressive and passionate communication <laughs> that happens and we are very much trying to keep sweet spirits about it walking through it and um, every once in a while um, I'm just too stubborn and uh, want my way or something and so I'm just praying you know I'm praying to the Lord, like, Lord, would you just help my relationship? And would you help my wife to have a sweet spirit about things and that we can work through this? And he starts talking to me about me. Funny how that works. I'm praying for somebody else to be better, and I'm well, suddenly the one that's get, getting all the messages from heaven. Yeah, you need to go on a fast. You're just too stinking stubborn. Anyways, I said that too many times. We'll edit out the other stinking stubborns previously. With hope, you can witness better. Did you know that? If you have a hope in Christ Jesus for what he's done, obviously that's your testimony, right? You know that your testimony is literally your hope on display. And I found this sign. It says two signs, same message. But you literally are, have a way, a better way of expressing and sharing Jesus with people if you know he's the one way to salvation. Amen? You know there's no other way. If he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, the way, the truth, the life, the one and only, we have to go through him. Amen. Hope also helps you to understand that if you're raising a difficult child or you're raising uh, children in the home or multiples in the home and, and you're striving so, diff so hard to bring them up and you're wondering, is this ever going to work out? <laughs> I mean, you walk in and clean the playroom and you walk out and you walk back in and need to clean it again. You know, it's like they have now painted the walls. I remember whenever Seth was young, I apologize, Seth, for referencing you. You're running media and I, I don't mean to put you into my sermons because I want to keep them out of them sometimes so they don't feel like I'm just talking about them all the time. But I remember we came home and we were just in the house and we had this nice like foam green colored furniture this couch and then we had another I, you know I'm not the professional on colors so don't you know take me back to kindergarten and, and beat me up for not getting the right color 
that's fuchsia, not maroon. I don't know. I'm, but anyways, we we were busy in the kitchen area, and it got you know how it gets real quiet when your kids are doing something, and it got real quiet. And my wife all of a sudden goes, "Where's Seth?" And we go in, and he had a marker, and he had done beautiful artwork on all of our furniture, just Van Gogh and Degas, and you know, it was amazing, and. And he's sitting in all this artwork around him, like his own little museum, you know. And he, he's holding the marker, and he's just like, <laughs> you know, like, look at the beauty I have created. And we're like, 4000 for the couch. <laughs> you know, we're thinking of, not really, but we were like, oh, no. And so we are like, we, I don't even know if we can turn the cushions over and survive and, like, keep the couch. It's just everywhere. But. And it was so craft. It, it was so craftful. I mean, he was like so careful, and he was just so proud of himself. And I thought at that moment, like this could be a problem. If he starts with the furniture, what's coming next? You know. But sometimes, you know, you don't realize, but your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God is not something you do, but the people you raise. And I'm thankful for a move of God in my life because my mom raised me to love the Lord. Jennifer Williams, the woman in this book that I talked about, initially rode the bus to church. She didn't have any hope, but she started praying. And she, as, as a little Sunday school child, some Sunday school teacher filled her full of hope of Jesus. And she started believing, and in her book she writes, it all takes one single encounter with God along with one simple um, act of obedience to the voice of God for a life to be changed forever. It happened to Abraham in Ur of the Chaldees in Genesis 11 and 12. It happened to Moses when he turned aside to view the bush that burned but did not, could not be consumed. And it happened to the Apostle Paul traveling the Damascus Road when he was struck down off his donkey. It forever changed his life. One encounter with God, her encounter with a Sunday school teacher, changed her life forever. And she started a prayer meeting in her home that ran, as I told you already, over 1,250 days. And they saw miracles. They witnessed a haze in the room as heaven became thin and angels began to manifest themselves. They saw things that only very hungry souls see. But they stayed there and they said, we, we will hope and make our wait on the Lord as long as it takes. We will wait until we're with, endued with power from on high, as the scripture says, until we're endued with dunamis power is what that word word means in the original language. This power aided them to witness and it aided them to see the working of miracles. All of these things happen from this simple prayer meeting where she had hope for her home. She believed if I can do something for God, I can do it here. And she began to invite people to her home. And on the 21st day, they saw that haze in the room and she talked about what changes and the power of God that was going on in this book. And she began to share that they had gotten to a point and pressed in hope and in prayer to the point where they had come to the battle and come to the gate and the angels began to appear to them. And they prayed and they sought God and they saw miracles 
and they gathered and they kept gathering and they kept believing and they kept seeking and they kept hoping until life changed and her home became a place where heaven touched down and they had hundreds filled with the Holy Spirit and they had hundreds baptized in the lovely name of Jesus. They had tumors and growths disappear on people. They had cancers healed and they had rare heart diseases cured all at her home because she left hope in the home. She believed that God could do something with her life at home. And then, of course, we put our hope in heaven. Amen. Scripture tells us, John 14, 1 through 3, let us, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I'll try to quote it because it's not up there. For in my house are many mansions. Am I close? In my house are many mansions. I go to repair a place for you. Is that where I am? There you may be also. Is that close? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told I think I got it. I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again, receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Are you glad you have that hope of heaven? Amen. There's so much... So much notes, so little time here. My mother would have been probably the person who had the most hope. I talk about her a lot because if you had to raise me, you would have had a lot of hope too. Some of you can agree. If your mother had to raise you. But you need something to talk about, and that's why you need the hope of heaven as well in your home. You need to talk about the place that God wants to take us to. People love to talk about their plans. They work. They like to talk about their work initiatives. If they are caring for kids, they like to talk about how they care for their kids. If, if they're older people, they talk about retirement. If you like to go on vacation, you talk about vacation while you're on vacation. If you like to go on trips, you're planning your trip while you're still on your other trip. I do that. Drives my wife batty because we're like, she's like, enjoy. And I'm like, oh, we could get to Bali for like 179 a flight. Of course, that has all changed a little bit, but it's it's just natural for Christians to talk about heaven because that's what others do about their career, their initiatives, their their uh, occupations. So it's important for us to talk about heaven. In fact, the scripture tells us we're supposed to encourage ourselves in this. John 14, 1 through 3 that I just read to you, he says, if you talk about heaven, if you encourage yourself with heaven, it'll help for your heart not to be troubled. That literally that you can watch, you can walk in a place where you have peace and you don't have trouble. Paul spoke about his desire to depart and be with Christ in Philippians 1, 23. Peter spoke about his hope for the resurrection of 1 Peter 1 through 3 and 21. Considers Paul words of encouragement to comfort the church in Thessalonica and who were who were bereaved. They were bereaving the loss of brothers and sisters in, in persecution that had departed this life. And they they say this in scripture. It's like First Thessalonians four, thirteen through eighteen. We see um, the scripture telling us, I'll just turn there. Do you have it? But I do not want oh, hmm. but I do not want you to be ignorant. Brethren, they're giving me a hard time from the media booth. They're like, well, get him. He brought donuts. Everybody can't sit still. Concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as those who have no hope. Everyone say hope. 
For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring it with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. Jesus is coming back, folks. With the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. We have to encourage ourselves. We have to talk about it. Amen. Number two, we have to work toward it. It is also hope that motivates us to work. Consider the expectant father who knows the baby's on his way. He's putting up the crib. He's painting the room. He's working toward what's coming his way. Consider the young person seeking to pay off school loans and tuition, praying about it, trying to get a second job, working toward it because they want to have the freedom of working in their career without having the debt from their school. Consider the working man looking forward to the vacation. It motivates us. Hope motivates us to work. Hope motivates Christians to work and witness and share the gospel and build their testimony and refine it so it hits and impacts a heart when they tell it. When we plan to work for the congregation, it elevates the hope of the congregation. When we come together and we encourage one another, say, brother, I'm praying for you. Sister, I'm praying for you. It encourages one another. It puts hope in the house. Amen. He told the church in Rome, when therefore I, or this is Paul who spoke the, of the future work as well of the church. He said, when therefore I have performed this, I have sealed to them, I have sealed to them the, this fruit. I will come by you in Spain. In other words, he's saying, I have hope. He was in Rome. How many know what happened in Rome for Paul? He dies there, but he had future hope. He was planning to go to Spain after that. Probably Barcelona, probably watch some soccer. I'm not saying he likes soccer, but he could have. I mean, if he were to trade us for today, he'd probably be watching, you know, Packer games, I would think. No, he would definitely be on TikTok, and he'd be like, this is the tent dance. No, he wouldn't be on TikTok. But he, put, he would use every possible channel to get the word out because of the hope that just pulsed through his, pul through his veins. Amen? He said, he told Timothy, these things I write unto you, unto thee, hoping to come unto, unto thee shortly. He always had hope in his life. John even said, but I hope shortly to see thee, and we shall speak face to face. When he was talking to someone in 3 John 14, hope for eternal life should motivate us the most. That's what I'm trying to get at. That we should talk about it, that we should work toward it, and also, number three, that we should hang on to it. We should hang on to hope. Now, this is talking about those that want more from God, this passage of Scripture. But it's also talking about those that are not ashamed of the hope that they have because they love God and that hope is shed abroad in their hearts. Amen. And so with that hope shed abroad in their hearts by the Holy Ghost, the Lord has given it to them. And that's what Romans 5 talks about in verse 3 through 5. We know that the Holy Spirit does the work of putting hope in our homes. 
Brother Reese hit it so well last week. If you haven't had the chance, go back and watch it on the website. Just the Spirit of God in our homes. It's important. But Romans 5, 3 through 5, it says what I've already kind of highlighted. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Amen. And perseverance, character, and character, hope. That hope is actually the byproduct of these other things. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. It actually says that patience works experience and experience hope. That you have more hope the more experiences you have in God. And the more patient you wait on his power to endue your life, the more you have the ability to hope in God. In fact, you'll meet people who struggle with all kinds of physical ailments. They have all kinds of troubles going on in their life, trials and, and difficulties. And you'll talk to them and they'll just, they'll just exude hope. And you're like, how can you possibly do that? With all the fight and all the battle and all the struggle and all the storm. And they're just like, God's going to get me through this. He's done worse with better. <laughs> He's done more with less. Amen. He's going to do great things in my life. And you're like, but you're, you're this and you're struggling here and you're struggling there. He's like, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I know the hope. I know the God in whom I believed. And it, that hope doesn't make you ashamed, brothers and sisters. That is what he's saying. Your hope is not put in a bad place. A hope maketh not ashamed. He says, he says and not only so, but the glory and tribulation also, knowing that the tribulation worketh patience, patience, experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed. Through all those things, you will not be ashamed if you put your heart in God. If you put your hope in Him, you will not be ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Ghost. And he has given it unto us. So I know this, that no matter how many times it looks bad, and I believe God for it to be better, if, if it doesn't look better, God's not done with it. Can I tell you that, Aaron? If, if, it's, if God's not in it, he's not done with it. If it doesn't look good, if it's not turning out right, God's just not done with it. Amen? Because in the end, we get to go to heaven, and I think that's the best plan there is out there. I don't know any other plan that's off this planet, but... Um, I'm just glad that God has chosen to include me in the salvation process that I never would have been able to gain myself or earn myself or pay for myself, that I would have never done good enough works to get in. None of us would have the chasm between our sin and his salvation and his righteousness were too great. But he came in flesh and died on the cross. And when he died on the cross, he said, Alone, my alone, my le you know, you know the saying, I can't even say it right now because I don't have it in my notes, but that's just my fault because I didn't put it there. And I'm preaching right now to tell somebody that he sang a song. If you go back and look in Psalms 23, some of the same wording is there in Psalms 23. So he had a song in his heart to get him through the difficult moments. And when hope feels like it's starting to be ashamed, when hope feels like it seems to be at a loss, like you hope but it didn't work out, I want you to know that what will get you through that moment is a song in your heart. If you begin to sing and to praise God, it 
will restore your hope in the things of God. And you'll stand up in your faith. And you'll all of a sudden realize, yeah, it's rough. Yeah, there's a lot of pressure on me right now. But I'm going to get through this. And if I have to get through it with a song of ascent, I will do it. If I have to walk into Israel singing the praises of God because of the dangers of the trail, I will do it. If I have to do all of these things in my life, but yet I want to walk through all of them with a joy in my heart and a song on my lips because my hope ultimately will not be ashamed. I will find hope in Christ Jesus. My grandmother and grandfather started several churches and and my grandmother was on her deathbed and we went down to see her in North Carolina and she hadn't really taken much nourishment for several days. Hadn't eaten, hadn't done anything, hadn't really moved, hadn't sat up, hadn't done much of anything. She just laid in the bed in the corner of the room and it was a smaller bedroom but there was another bed next to her and then there was a doorway and all of the kids started gathering because we were told it's closed. She's going to go home to be with the Lord. And so we all got there and we were all just hanging out. You know, the one who had hope, my grandmother, was one of the greatest women of prayer and my grandfather, of course, a man of hope and a man of faith. But then we just kind of just sat around and she wasn't really responding, but I did go over and I got next to the bed and I began to pray with her and I said, Grandma, you can go on home if you want to. That's your heavenly hope. You can go on home. We're going to carry the gospel on. Your grandchildren are going to preach the word of God. We're going to continue to say that here is Israel, there is one Lord. There is only one God. We're going to continue to say that you must be born again of water and of spirit. We're going to keep preaching the gospel. And and I saw her lips tremble just a little bit, and we began to pray. And I could hear her. She was she was praying in tongues as she was laying there, almost immobile, but praying in the Holy Ghost. And I was just like so moved by the Spirit of God and the hope that was still in her while she was nearly gone. She was still living the hope in her home. Amen. She had put hope in her life so much that it was still there. She wasn't sitting in a wheelchair cursing every person walking by. She wasn't bitter and balled up and cancerous and and full of hate and full of bitterness. She was in love with Jesus even when she couldn't move. She still loved him because Jesus never gives up on our hopes we put in him. She had hope, and so we got out the guitar, you know, former drummer. I play guitar very poorly, but I play, I can play enough to do How Great Is Our God. So my grand, my uncle was playing some old picking and grinning Pentecostal type of songs, you know, like I'll Fly Away, O Glory, and some ones like that. And sh- he, he began to sing one, and I and um, we were just sitting there, and, and then I got the guitar, and, and we were all singing songs, and um, and I started playing. How I, I looked over at my grandma. I had, she wasn't really responding. I said, Grandma... I want to play one of the songs that we that your grandkids sing now. We're going to sing a song called How Great Is Our God. And this is back, obviously, ways. Um, and so we started singing How Great Is Our God. And some of the, the grandchildren are good-voiced, and they sing very well. And they all started breaking off in the harmonies and stuff. And it was really beautiful. And I looked over, and my grandmother's foot was just tapping on the bed. She hadn't moved. She still had a soul. She still had hope. And she still had her song. 
If you can hear this preacher, I know I'm crying and I apologize for the emotion. I hope it is not off-putting, but I can tell you this. If I pray and I seek God and things get difficult in this life and things get difficult where we're going as a nation, I guarantee you this. I will still have hope in my heart and I will still have a song to sing to my God. I will still have a praise on my lips and I will still be worshiping him because you never lose your hope. You will not be ashamed of that hope in God, and you will never lose your song if you hold on to it. And she just began to tap her foot, and we were singing songs, and then we started singing old songs again. And I said, Grandma, you remember old Brother Carnley? And she sat up in the bed, hadn't moved, but we were singing songs. She used to lead songs in worship from the pulpit for worship service. She sat up in the bed. She went, oh, yeah, I remember old brother Carnley. Laid right back down. <laughs> that was it. I'm like, she's still got a song in her. Amen. If I can encourage you any way, any shape, any form, if you're a person who feels like you're just wasting away on the pew and because there's, there's good word being preached and good songs being sung, but you just can't seem to plug in because you leave here and on Monday the depression hits and the difficulties hit, I want to tell you when that does happen, your hope has not dried up and gone away. You simply need to get a song out, put your phone on Spotify and get a worship jam going. Do whatever you got to do to remind yourself that you're a child of God. You're not forgotten. Your hope in him will not be frustrated and left to be ashamed. You will come out of it no matter how many cracks, no matter how many leaks, no matter how much you feel full when you leave the house of God on Sunday and you feel empty by Tuesday. I want you to know, just take another trip in prayer back to the altar. Take another trip through a song back to his presence. Take another trip through your hope and remember all he's done for you in your testimony, overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony, of our testimony. The word there in Revelation means logos. I don't know if you know that. But the Bible literally says the saints in, that had come to heaven, they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the logos of their testimony. In other words, your testimony infused with God's word, his logos, is what gives you victory. I hope that's a revelation for somebody because you might have thought that it was just your testimony about your story. It's not just your story. It's how much his word impacted your story and how God brought you through it. Amen. The Logos, the plan of God in your story, that is what it's saying. It's saying you overcame by the blood of the lamb because nothing can reach under the blood. If God forgave it, it's under the blood, brothers and sisters, and he erects a no fishing sign, and the devil should not go even go fishing because it's all wiped away. In his mind, it's not even there. God cannot forget anything, but he chooses not to act upon the information of the things that he put under his blood. It's the only thing that can cover a sin in heaven and so he chooses to use his blood and the logos the plan of God in your story amen and there's a f story of a farmer that had two buckets I'm racing to a close because we have more donuts to eat the farmer had two buckets and every day he went to the river to get water one of the buckets had a crack and leaked continuously. The other perfect, perfect, no cracks at all. 
never spilled a drop of taking water to the house. As time passed, the crack bucket became sad about the leaked water. He decided to speak as if a bucket could speak. He decided to speak with the farmer. Upon learning that he was sad, the farmer asked the bucket to join him on a walk. How many know the Lord likes to walk with you? How many know walking with the Lord is talking with the Lord? Okay. They walked down the same path as always, but this time the farmer pointed out all the wonderful life that had sprung up and the beautiful flowers that were growing on the path and all the beautiful things that were around him that encouraged him as he carried the weight of the water. He explained to the bucket that he was responsible for all this beauty. If he hadn't leaked water every day, the plants would never have grown, the flowers would have never bloomed, and the beauty would not be there for him to celebrate. The bucket realized that despite his flaws, he still helped those around him grow and brought beautiful things on his path of life even when he wasn't aware of it. I don't know how many cracks are in your life and in your vessel. I don't know me, how, many da- how much damage has come to your life by the hands of other people and not your choices. I don't know how much uh, constant consequences you have because of your own poor choices or young choices in life and you're still living it out. But I want you to know that the cracks are all things that God can use. That whenever he pours his hope into your life and you leak it out, you may leak more than others. <laughs> you, may, you may be the person that has beautiful trails, you know. But just know this, that that is what God has designed you to do. Because on your walk with God, you pick up those that are falling down and those that see the beauty of God in your life. And you may have to have a prayer meeting on Monday night and Tuesday night and Wednesday night and Thursday night just to keep your bucket full because you leak so much in the conflicts in marriage and the conflicts in your home or the things that are going on, but there is still beauty to be had in all of those places if you stay with hope in the home, amen? If you leave Jesus in the house, in your vessel, if you leave the Holy Ghost in your bucket, amen, you will be able to create beautiful things. If you take a few more trips to the prayer room, brothers and sisters. If you take a few more trips and carry the water, you see the water that came to the home was brought there, encouraged by the one carrying it from the one who leaked water out. In other words, what I'm trying to tell you is there may be a river in this house of the Spirit moving, but there's somebody on your pathway. There's somebody on your work. There's somebody where you walk and you spill out and you wonder, how is it that I feel so empty so quick? But really, it is the work of God in your life to help you to lean on Him and to hope in Him because everything you have done has allowed the other bucket to get to the house of God. In other words, you've left a river at the water's edge, the house of God, and when you leave, you bring people to beautiful things. But even those that carry the water to the church and encourage others in, in positions of leadership, they get to see the beauty of hope that leaks out of your life. And we're encouraged. Hello, somebody. Leadership is encouraged by the beauty that God creates from the places that you've leaked. 
the places where you have consequences and God's grace has covered it. The places where you thought, I'll never be used of God in any way, shape, or form, and, let, and yet you're being used of God to mend a heart or a family member's relationship. You are the one that God is using. Spread that stuff everywhere. Take that hope, it's free in Jesus, and just spread it everywhere. Amen? Hope is for the home. But the water that got to the home in the bucket that was perfect was carried there by somebody who enjoyed the beauty of the life that leaked. Amen? Let hope leak out. Don't try to keep it to yourself. Hope has got to be in our prayers. Hope has got to be at our job. Hope has got to be in our life, in our worship, in our song, in our work, in our talk, in our walk. Work helps us. It helps us to work better, to be better. The hope of heaven helps us to be better on earth. We hold on to it. We talk about it. We hang on to it. Hope will help you pray home the prodigal. Amen? Hope will help you hunger for God and know that he will fill. Would you stand with me? I'm thankful for every leadership position in this church. I'm thankful for every person who does the heavy lifting of practicing and preparing and all of that. But I'm praying for somebody today who's leaving here spreading hope that they become empty before they can get back and they struggle with knowing where their fit is. There's some hope for you today in the home. There's some hope for you in this house. So in conclusion, we don't just want to talk about it. We don't want just to work toward it. We don't want to just have it to hang on to, but we also want to take it with us. So I don't know if there's somebody in this room that needs hope in their heart right now, but would you bow your heads and would you close your eyes and let's pray. Lord, don't just give us a word today, but plant it deep in our life. Plant hope in us to where we walk away from this place knowing that the blood of the Lamb covers sin and that your plan is in our testimony, Jesus, and that our story gives you glory. I'm praying somebody today will stop looking at themselves as broken, will stop looking at themselves as not being complete, they're not damaged goods. I bind that lie in the name of Jesus. I bind every consequence. I bind every second, um, every, every person who feels like they're just downs or, or their, their second class, I bind that in the name of Jesus. And right now I ask the Lord to release a spirit of value, a spirit of peace, a spirit of hope that they're worth a cross, that they're worth you being born of Mary and coming to walk our dirty roads and die on a cross crucified by your creation. You were willing to do all that just to show the value of one soul. Whosoever believeth in me should not perish but have everlasting life you came and loved us for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish in other words God loved us when we were lost he had value in us when no one else would value us so that person I'm praying for that person today not the person who's strong 
I thank you for being here. Not the person who is the bucket that brings the home, the water home and, and gives life to everything that is at home. Not the one that is strong in the church and is in positions of leadership and is constantly flowing out and refilling. But the person in this room right now that feels like it broke, it didn't work, it seems like all I do is just lose hope. I'm talking to somebody right now. You were supposed to always refill at the house of God. You were supposed to always refill at home. You were supposed to always have renewable hope. So I pray for somebody today that needs that, that he still is growing beautiful things around you, even when you're not aware. In Jesus' name, I pray that prayer over somebody. And I want to open this altar to anyone that needs a heavenly hope. You need to remind yourself of why you're here, of why you're walking through what you're walking through, why you keep believing. Maybe somebody needs to come. Why don't we come right now and let's find a place to pray. If you're wanting to get donuts or you want to get coffee and you're not used to altar calls, that's fine. You can step out or do whatever you need to do. You're free to do whatever you want to in the building. We would love to fellowship with you afterwards and get to know you better. But there is somebody that wants to pray today. So would you come? Would you make a place of prayer, maybe right where you are or at this altar? And would you just ask the Lord to fill you full, fill you full again in the name of Jesus? Amen. Let's see. Stands before me, the darkness falls.